Say hello to a new friend on an old road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Jim Hinckley's America. Hey, good morning, everyone. Glad you could join us. That uh, theme song there is Joe and Woody and the boys of the Road Crew, roadcrew66.com. If you need a little bit of road trip inspiration or a theme song for your adventure on Route 66 or the Road Less Traveled. Hey, uh, today we are continuing our Wake Up With Jim series on inspirational and independent thinking people. And i uh, got a great story to share with you. It's one of my, um, I'm not going to say heroes, but it's definitely, he's, he's been an inspiration to me and probably countless others over the years. And then we'll uh, give a shout out to our good friends at Uranus Fudge Factory and General Store along Route 66 uh, near St. Robert, Missouri for uh, sponsoring this program. Great deal of fun there. Hey, let's get right to this. I think you're going to like this story I've got for you today. We're going to be talking about a fellow named Charles Nash. He's seldom mentioned today, and, well, for good reason. I mean, even his company's been gone for over about 60 years. But he was more than just a pioneer of the U.S. auto industry. Uh, Charles Nash is, is nothing short of his story, life story, is nothing short of amazing he was born on a farm in rural Cortland, Wisconsin, in uh, 1864, and he became an orphan at the age of six. His parents literally abandoned him, and uh, he was bound out by the court. That's basically uh, an indentured servant, if you will, to a Michigan farmer, and he was supposed to do, be there until he was 21, but he ran away at age 12, and Took on various jobs, learned a few things, became a fairly good carpenter. And he eventually made his way to Flint, Michigan, where in 1890, he had a fortuitous meeting with William C. Durant. William Crapo Durant, what a name. Uh, Durant was part of the uh, Flint Road Cart Company, later merged it with uh, Dort Carriage and became Durant, Durant Dort Carriage Company. And uh, to give you an idea of Nash's ambition, he was hired as an upholsterer by uh, Durant. And within six months, Durant promoted Nash to factory superintendent. Well, 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 well. Uh, the story goes on from there. Uh, Charles Nash, he not only founded the Nash Motor Company, uh, Pat Foster did a great article some years ago in Hemmings about Nash. And I'll share, let me share just a few things here. Uh, he not only founded the Nash Motor Car Company, but he was at one time the president of General Motors. And uh, he was also made it to the top at Buick Motor Division before that. See, William Durant had created General Motors in 1908, and he built it up by buying a number of automobile, truck, and component companies, 
And uh, some were tremendously valued, Oldsmobile, Cadillac, uh, Hyatt, Roller Bearing, Buick. Uh, unfortunately, he bought some not-so-good companies in his rush to build this, this empire. He bought Carter Car from Byron Carter, Reliance Motor Truck Company, Welsh Motors, and others. Well, he was trying to dominate the industry, but he often bought them. He was kind of a swashbuckling kind of fella. And he often bought them without consideration of how they would mesh into the overall component, how they would work as a gear in the machine, if you will. Yeah, so before long, GM found itself saddled with money-losing acquisitions. And uh, the frantic pace of acquisitions had required a continuing supply of cash. Buick was the cornerstone for GM. It was the profitability center of the company. And one of the reasons for that was its general motor manager, Charles Nash. Uh, he had been in charge of production, like say at the carriage manufacturing company, and he'd uh, done a few other things. Well, Durant had great regard and respect for Nash, brought him into GM to straighten things out at Buick. And well, he went to work, he sorted it out okay. He started with production issues got a handle on cost, and uh, because he realized his shortcomings, another attribute well worth mentioning, he was familiar with wood-bodied horse-drawn carriages. He needed someone familiar with the types of machinery and processes and producing axles, frame steel bodies. Nash wasn't afraid to admit, I don't know, I need help. Well, Nash, one of the great things he did too is he hired a railroad man uh, as the works manager for Buick that had a tremendous reputation for everything that Nash lacked. Man's name was Walter P. Chrysler. And that started Chrysler's uh, career in the auto industry. Uh, well, anyway, Chrysler came to work uh, after a high-paying job running the locomotive manufacturing and took a huge pay cut to come GM because he felt the auto business was the future. In any event, under the direction of Nash and Chrysler, the Buick business really, really was profitable, and the division continued to earn enormous sums of money. Another thing that uh, Nash worked with Durant on was building a factory race team for Buick. And uh, he brought into the fold some uh, Swiss brothers, Lewis, Arthur, and Gaston, Chevrolet. Well, anyway, former GM chairman Alfred Sloan, one of the greatest business leaders of all time, explained why Buick was so successful. Charles Nash. Meanwhile, Durant's continued expansion exacted a toll on the company, and GM sales for 1911 just, uh, well, he lost about uh, $7 million that year, and profits were down by two-thirds. So the 1912 model year brought no improvement. The bankers and investors at GM finally came to the conclusion that Durant was playing too fast with the firm's money. They decided he was not the man for the job. They pushed him aside. And who did they replace him with? You got it. Charles Nash was now president of General Motors. Well, Nash found himself president of a struggling company, but he did what he did with Buick. He uh, started getting control of inventories and cash, liquidating uh, assets that weren't uh, viable, profitable. And uh, 
started making the gears work as a unified machine. And in a short time, GM's profitability soared. For 1914, the company made 7.2 million and then doubled that for 1915, and he doubled it again in 1916. But toward the end of 1916, Durant engineered his return to GM by starting a company called Chevrolet and using that to gain control of General Motors. Another story for another day. Uh, Nash liked Durant, felt gratitude, but he said he just couldn't do it. He he knew that with Durant coming back, they'd be butting heads and uh, uh, it just wasn't going to work. Nash was a frugal thrifty and did not like debt. And Durant was exactly, exactly the offer opposite. Well, Durant offered Nash. Now get this. We're talking $19.16 here. Durant offered Charles Nash $1 million in annual salary. Nash declined, and, well, he went off and started his own company. He bought Rambler in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and Jeffrey Truck. Uh, Rambler had been making four-wheel drive Jeffrey Trucks for World War I. And uh, Nash bought the Rambler company and then uh, turned it into Nash. He continued producing. Uh the uh, Jeffrey four-wheel drive trucks for quite some time. And Nash became quite an industry leader. Innovation, power, the uh, Nash ambassador with twins, uh, twin ignition introduced around 1930 was called the Duesenberg from Kenosha. It was a luxury car. It was fast. It was reliable and well-engineered automobile. One of the things, another things I really was impressed with Charles Nash, he never ever forgot his humble origins. Uh, story goes that he refused to have an office door. He wanted an open door policy. And in the early days of Nash, when new equipment or machinery was, was installed on the factory floor, Charles Nash would put on a pair of overalls and he'd be right there working elbow to shoulder with assembly line people. He wanted to know the business from the ground up. And uh, Nash, because of his frugal, always paying cash and always keeping debts low, when the Great Depression hit and uh, auto companies closed their doors, went bankrupt or lost sales, to give you an idea, uh, Ford went from something like a, uh, a million 750,000 cars produced in a year to around 400,000 cars produced in a year. Hudson was even worse. They went from about 250,000 cars a year to 18,000 cars produced in 1932. Nash never saw red ink. Not until the late 1930s when uh, he wanted George Mason to take over the company. Mason was working at Kelvinator. And Kelvinator had a lot of debts. And the only way Mason would go to work with Nash is if Charles Nash took over Kelvinator and assumed responsibility for the debts. Other than that, Nash never ran into red ink. Another amazing thing. They were the only auto company not to do that. And even when Nash had to lay people off during the Depression, he tried to take care of them. Uh, he had coal delivered to people's homes. Uh, baskets of apples. He sent to employees. 
Uh, he instituted a health plan for his employees and their families with medical care. Charlie Nash is quite a fellow there. I tell you what, uh, he's well worth reading about if you need a little bit of inspiration. Hey, uh, I guess if I'll ask you if you have any questions in just a few minutes, but uh, let me give you a rundown. Sunday morning, of course, is our travel program when we do coffee with Jim. Sunday morning, 7 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. And we are going to have a special 4th of July program. I'm going to share with you a little bit of the surprising history of the 4th of July and some great places to get in a real patriotic mood and enjoy a celebration of uh, the 4th of July. As it's an interactive program, as all our podcasts are, we hope you'll join us, invite your friends. We'd like to hear from you about where you enjoy celebrating the 4th of July. Hey, uh, before we button this up today, do we have any questions about Charles Nash and his role at General Motors or Louis Chevrolet, Walter Chrysler? If you got any questions, it's a good time to, to ask. Well, I sure hope you enjoyed this program today and I hope your friend you'll tell your friends about us. And uh, well, I guess we'll talk to you probably uh, Sunday morning. Unless we see you on the road before say then. Hello to a new friend. Thanks for on joining us this morning, my friends. Road. Take a two-lane trip of memories into mysteries unknown. Come along for the ride. Jim Hinckley's America. Hope everybody enjoyed our Jim little program about Mr. Nash. I just love sharing stories of inspiration and independent thinking people wait till you hear and we're going to say this is a surprise but wait till next week got something really special hey as to our trivia contest and a free signed copy of my new book we don't have a winner yet as all i can tell you is this fellow has a route 66 connection most all his life and he did play in the world series back in 1927 hope that helps take care my friends Vaya con dios <laughs>